Hi, welcome to the Triforce Podcast, where we talk about video games, we talk about movies, anime now, apparently. Yeah, we're fucking multimedia at this point. That alone is going to get us copyright. Watch the show. No. <laughs> it's the Triforce. I've been having these weird thoughts lately. Like, is any of this for real? Or not? Wise words spoken by one Sora Kingdom Hearts, which summarizes what I've set out to do here. My name is Rain. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm here to talk about the entire Kingdom Hearts series. But I'm not alone. Normally, I'd be sitting here with Colton and Zach, ready to talk your off for about an hour and a half to two hours on a game that you may or may not have any interest in playing. Well, that's not the case. I kicked Colton and Zach out of the studio because they had little to no interest in playing Kingdom Hearts. But I do have a returning guest, a Kingdom Hearts expert like myself. Returning today, we have Allie. Hello. <laughs> they invited me back. I'm happy. <laughs> I'll always invite you back. Any, uh-huh. any chance to have Allie on the podcast is a good time. Aw, thank you. So Allie. You know what we're here to do today. Talk about some Kingdom Hearts. Yes, we've broken the series down into the way that the bundles were broken down into. So 1.5, 2.5 and things like that. Today we're going to be talking about the 1.5 bundle, which is Kingdom Hearts 1, Chain of Memories, and 3582 Days. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Um, I can feel the people at home being very excited. (laughs) Oh man, I've been... You know, like even with um, the breakdown we decided on, I've just been trying to like devise the perfect way to try to discuss these games because, I mean, the both of us have gone through these, the entirety of the series. um, And it's thanks to you that I actually had that push to finally go into Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, now that I'm really glad I was really annoying years no, ago. <laughs> you weren't annoying. I honestly just needed that push. I've brought this up several times to you and other friends of ours, but I've always have been wanting to play through the series and never really had that um basically that you know when you're on the diving board and you just jump right in and then but you were probably the person who just like just came on the diving board with me and just shoved me right into the Kingdom Hearts pool. Oh, Allie, you know I'm always ready to drop kick somebody right into Kingdom Hearts. That's kind of like my shtick. I mean, and it was well worth it. It's been a blast so far with the series. I'm really enjoying myself. I'm glad. Oh, this makes me really happy. Aw. Wow. <laughs> You like my well. You're my bacon of knowledge. Of course, you're going to make me happy. Knowledge, inside (laughs) jokes, team. Inside jokes. So, as one normally does with things, we're going to start at the beginning, which technically isn't Kingdom Hearts one, but also is Kingdom Hearts one. You'll have to follow the rest of the series to understand. But you know, yeah, this is like the other weird thing about these games. Like, like another thing I was thinking about was like how to progress through talking about it in release order just based on like how like it, it's like chronologically it's all over the place oh like, yeah no, like we're going we go forwards and, down, and backwards right <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but yeah. i think we got this yeah so totally got this. 
for those wondering, um, you know, we're gonna, we have, do have a time limit. You know, this isn't what I wish where I could talk for 20 hours about this game. Um, so because of that, we're not going to go super into detail, but we are going to hit all major plot points. So this is your spoiler warning. Now we go spoil the game. You probably <laughs> still won't understand what's happening, but there will be spoilers. There's always going to be the cliff notes that people would be curious about. They can, oh, well, I guess they would, could just um, explore on their own time. Uh, yeah, play the game or tweet at me. So, <laughs> you know. Anyway, Kingdom Hearts 1 came out in 2001, and our story starts out with our main character, Sora, having to go through the little trials of the tutorial, which also is where you get to pick how your stats and experience grow throughout the game. It's also a dreamscape with really pretty stained glass windows. Absolutely gorgeous stained glass aesthetic throughout the series. And right away, Kingdom Hearts just, just wants you to know just how beautiful the aesthetic is. Like yeah, The aesthetic of this game and the series in general is stunning. And from the start of Kingdom Hearts 1, literally the actual start, you get to see that. And then with the music, just with... Um... The study playing in the background. It's like a re- it's a recurring track that you'll hear throughout the entire series. Just just a really great way. Just just your first impression before the um uh, FMV video, of course, is <laughs> this just this beautiful atmospheric dreamscape. Just yeah. really a nice impression on you for what to expect throughout the entire series. Yes. So you go through this little tutorial, you get to pick things um, with the way that your experience grows and like stuff like that. So you get the option of choosing a sword, a staff or a shield, and then you have to give up one of those as well. Uh, If you're me, you will pick the staff every single time and give up your strength every single time. See, I'm the opposite. I I think I went with... um... I think I went with the sword every time. Like, I'm just trying to. Uh, no, listen. I need listen. treasure magnet at level nine. I mean, it's completely understandable. Little says, but treasure magnet is really versatile to have at the beginning too. Exactly. <laughs> After that, you go through a little bit. You fight, and then you get your first boss fight, which is Dark Side, which happens to be Sora's shadow. Um, I said I would throw this in here for my fiance. My fiance thirsts real hard over Dark Side because Dark Side is a thick and be like mm, a little hot. A little I mean, they're not wrong. That is a it is a fine specimen of a creature. <laughs> but after that, Sora wakes up on his island, and we meet the rest of our main trio. Uh, trios will be a recurring theme in this series. Remember that well, team. Our main trio is Sora, Riku, and Kairi. These three grew up on Destiny Island, and they're trying to find a way to leave the island to see if they can find underworld, other worlds, as Kairi <laughs> came from another world. Uh, they do find the underworld. Yeah, that's farther ahead, but that does happen. Um, I think that it's very foolish that they want to find other worlds because they only have a raft and the idea of other worlds should in fact mean space and I don't think any of them are astronauts but that's just my own my my you know my own thing 
I mean, they are kids. They're doing their best. Their best isn't good enough. I mean, look, they, they they got those seagull eggs. They got those fish. I think they're all. I think they're making an effort. They're really trying. Ah, on the third day, third no, second night. There it is. Before daytime, second night. There's a storm. Sora leaves his house going, holy shit, the fucking raft is going to break. Gets there. The island is overrun with these little shadow creatures called Heartless that were in the tutorial. In Sora's little dreamscape. Uh, We find out that darkness is happening. Riku is like, ah, we can use the darkness to go to other worlds. And Sora's like, "Mm, sounds a little sus. And tries to save Riku in return doesn't save Riku and he gets the Keyblade. Mm-hmm. Sora then chose to find Kyrie. Kyrie not looking good when he finds her. It is not good team. She gets kind of shot at him and fades away. Then you fight Darkseid again and Sora begins his journey. It was a ride and that's only the first 20 minutes of the game. So. Just, just a nice, nice get, nice couple of days trying to go on a nice journey on a raft to see other worlds, and then boom, darkness happens. You know, that's really how it be. Like sometimes darkness happens. So yeah, it's recurring <laughs> in, this, in this series. Just a very recurring theme of darkness happens <laughs> in this series. Yeah. After that, what you can expect from a Square Enix game mixed with Disney: there are wild adventures. Our main boy, Sora, teams up with Donald and Goofy, learns that he has the Keyblade, which will attract the Heartless, but is also the only thing that can defeat them, which is kind of wild because this boy is 14 and didn't ask for it and also tells everybody that he didn't ask for it. And they kind of just tell him that that sucks. You have it now. Keyblade is got to go somewhere. (laughs) I mean, yeah, and it's here. So... Throughout Kingdom Hearts 1, you go from world to world, you know, defeating the Heartless, locking up the keyholes, trying to protect all of these worlds from darkness. Donald and Goofy are on the hunt for King Mickey because he was like, uh, shit's going down and I gotta go fix it. And Sora's like, cool, I want to go find Riku. Like, literally only talks about finding Riku for 98% of the game. I mean, you're... yeah, like Probably thinking about it more a couple like, of times, but no, we're on like the hunt. Riku definitely is the main focus. Yes, but yeah, oh, no. Riku is in fact the main focus of Sora's search. As you go through the worlds, you do see Riku a couple of times and kind of see that Riku's on the side of darkness, but thinks like he's being manipulated and being told, "Oh, well, Sora found other friends. He doesn't need you because you know darkness." They're evil. There's no other way to say that. Riku is on the side of darkness and he got manipulated because oh, yeah. of darkness. And darkness is evil, obviously. And by I don't let you forget that either. Dark big scary lady comes and says that you don't have friends anymore. Yeah. But they found new friends, of course. Exactly. Go with this dark, the dark tall scary lady. Oh, that's how it be. That really is how it be. So... One of the other things about this game is you learn that as you're going to from world to world, you're not really supposed to tell people you're from other worlds, but also, like, imagine just dropping into a fucking Disney world. You very clearly don't belong. 
like even down to like the art style too like like the denizens of a world you visit could just be like completely unlike who you are and you just stick out like a sore thumb thankfully though we got our man donald duck working his magic to try to help him the three of them blend in to fit the aesthetic of the world yeah, which I mean, um, <laughs> doesn't always work, but we're we're not talking about uh, that game yet. So, yeah, oh yeah, that war class. Well, we'll get to that part eventually. Oh yeah, I mean, like a place like Halloween Town, you're all bright and colorful, and everything else around you is all scary and spooky. You in turn need to look scary and spooky and have very skinny arms. Oh my God, they all have noodle arms, like. <laughs> I think it's like one of the things that like you'll notice about Kingdom Hearts is they really do all have noodle arms and sticks. They are sticks. It is true. So to the surprise of nobody, when you get to the end of this game, you do have to face off against Riku. But what's not shown really as you're like going through the game is what's actually been really happening to Riku. Like, you only really get it as you get really close to the end, but because Riku's doing all of this fun darkness stuff, he is kind of being taken over by this uh, man who is named Ansem. And Ansem really fucked shit up. Oh, did he fuck shit up indeed. So you have this poor boy being manipulated by the darkness. Then he gets this fucking Ansem dude coming in and being like, LMAO, I kind of want to use your body, and then does and takes over. Riku, being the man that he is, the great boy, does in fact break through a little bit to help Kairi and Sora and everyone get away for a little bit. And it's very sad. I I cried a little bit. There were tears, because I'm a big baby. And also Sora turned into a heartless because he sacrificed himself and it broke my heart. Yeah, that's that was a pretty heavy part of Hollow Bastion. Hollow Bastion being like the big hideout for well, bad guys. Yeah, big big secret bad guy hideout because every final fa- every Square Enix Final Fantasy game, or at least inspired, has to include has to one that, of those. Yeah. As you get to the end of Hollow Bastion, you do have to fight off against Riku, and at the end of that, or just before that, I should say, you find Kyrie. Laying there, Kyrie's heart had ended up in Sora when she had been shot at him at the beginning of the game. So Sora takes the other Keyblade that Riku had, because he gets one, but it's all darknessy, and uses it to unlock his heart and give Kyrie back her heart. It, it was it's called the Keyblade of Heart, and it's basically a Keyblade that was made from the hearts of the well they're all part part of the said there are seven princesses of heart Kyrie is one of them and there are six others who were um captured and um imprisoned within hollow bastion and their hearts were used to create the keyblade of heart so Sora ultimately stabbing himself to three Kyrie also frees the hearts of the other six princesses yes and when that happens when you lose your heart you become a heartless so Sora becomes a heartless Sora chases after Kyrie, Donald, and Goofy. Kyrie realizes that this heartless is Sora, and through the power of what I can only assume is supposed to be love, Sora comes back. This is a big old hug of light that yeah. restores his form from um, nudely 
noodly dark dark bug monster too well noodly human boy noodly human boy there we go (laughs) that works everyone leaves hollow bastion after that to get away from the heartless and after some much needed preparations and help from the people sora had met in traverse town being sid leon and yuffie they head back out which starts one will become a reoccurring theme in a kingdom hearts game a 13 part boss battle <laughs> remember the number 13. Oh, also remember the number 13. That's important too. That and is very imp- also and important. It- you don't really get any of that in the first game, but just remember it. This will be important for later. <laughs> <laughs> like it's in thinking about it now like just how far like like even within their earliest roots how and very important those two particular numbers are. Yes, they're very important. So when you finish at Hollow Bastion, right, and you go back, Sora has to go to this place called the End of the World, then do a bunch of fun stuff going through all the worlds that he had been through, fighting out these things, and then inevitably ending up back at Destiny Island for the big boss battle between Sora and Ansem, which is literally 13 fucking parts. <laughs> It's so long. I'm really just thinking about how long the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 is, if you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, you go through this beautiful stretch called the end of the world. This is, and you just travel it and you try to find Ansem who has retreated there. And you also run into the devil. It's a good yes, time. Lucifer is, in fact, there. Lucifer from Fantasia is there. And then you'll end up on Destiny Island you will have to fight Ansem with Donald and Goofy. Then you have to fight Ansem alone and Darkseid alone. And then Ansem turns into this giant island whale combo thing. It's like the Bahamut battleship. Yeah! And that part that part itself is like seven parts. So now taking all of the parts that you just did, adding the seven parts that you have to do at the end, and then you finally win. And Ansem has this whole spiel at the end where he is saying, no, I needed to open up Kingdom Hearts because Kingdom Hearts is darkness. And he opens it up and it ends up being light. But then you look in and it ended up being darkness anyway. <laughs> so I'm a little confused. You know, it leaves you a little confused at the end. You're kind of like, wait, he opened it and there was light. And then now there's Heartless and like monsters. Look, Kingdom Hearts can swing both ways. Yeah, listen, I mean, like same hat. Me too. Like, you know, that's sometimes it's darkness. Sometimes it's light. You know, you just flip the coin. Flip the coin. I feel like darkness today. Today, I feel like darkness. It really be that way sometimes. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, I don't really know how it ends up happening, but at some point, right after that, Kyrie ends up there. I blame the power of light and darkness, because that just seems to be what you do in a Kingdom Hearts game. And she's, like, there, and, oh, I'm sorry, just before that, they did, in fact, okay. close the, the door. I was I just about to mention. I was so focused on Kyrie appearing, I forgot <laughs> to mention, the part of the game that actually makes me cry. With the you know who ends up behind the door to Kingdom Hearts? Riku. And Riku's like, it's okay, we'll close the door together. And Sora's kind of like, wait a minute, hold hold on, you're behind it. And he's like, nah, nah, bish, it's fine. And Mickey's there, you know, the king is there to help out. And they close the door. And then behind him is Kyrie, and then fucking simple and clean starts playing. <laughs> And the island gets rebuilt and all of the worlds that have been taken over are saved. And then Sora's like, don't worry, Kyrie, I'll come back to get you. We're going to be back. And then he goes on another journey to find Riku because that will be <laughs> the entire rest of the series. I mean, when you think about Riku. it, pretty much like it seems to me that some areas that be like, See this now. Here's my issue too. Now I'm like completely jumping ahead again. But but that's how the series works. It does. You know, it does. It almost seems like like Riku would be like the main road, and then the Kyrie bits would kind of be like, oh yeah, here's a little side thing. You this know, is what happens. Like you go on a on a road trip, and your dad's kind of like, hey, we're gonna take a detour to see the world's largest rubber band ball. Like that's like, oh right, Kyrie exists. All oh. about that. Kind of carries the rubber bands ball. That's it's kind of sad cool. to think about. It's really sad, but that's like how it is because we're actually we're about to move on to my second favorite game in the series. Uh, controversial topic, I'm sure, uh, because I know a lot of people didn't like it. But I liked it. Thank you, Allie, for being on my <laughs> side. But like in the next game, it really becomes a good chunk of Sora being like but Riku <laughs> and Riku kind of being like, but Sora <laughs> and me sitting there going, but gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's only about 2% of that, but you know, we're about to talk about it so we can talk about what the other 98% of what my thought process is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But Kingdom Hearts one in itself was a whole ride. It's a nice, you would say, you would say it's a, a wild time. It is. It was, it was because here's, you know, Here's probably the ma the magic behind just Kingdom Hearts as a whole, because 
the way that I was fully un- in- initially introduced to it, the premise was, oh, um, Disney Square Enix come together with some, with some little original stuff thrown in just to make things a little bit interesting. But then it just takes you and takes takes you and drags you on this crazy journey like it's only the window dressing the the um collaborative part the disney and the square enix but then and you're introduced to that especially when you go visit all of the disney worlds like i felt like a little kid again honestly like visiting each of these worlds and experiencing either like movie plots or maybe prequel movie plots and meeting Disney characters and maybe meeting a random cloud. But (laughs) all of a sudden, cloud shows up. You know how it'd be. Yeah. We don't throw the one-winged angel in there. Did we really play a Square Enix game? I mean, well, we did did hear one winged angel. We did. We can fight Sephiroth if we wanted to. That that was that's a journey. That fight is a Sephiroth. Journey. You understand my journey very well. I do. Yeah, you just feel like that, that Disney whimsy as you're going through all these worlds for a for an, a Square Enix RPG that came out um, so early within the PS2 game cycle. It really does when it comes to like the presentation especially in particular it just really like you like i said i just i just felt like a kid again yeah i mean i i played this game when it first came out uh, so i was like fucking seven when this game came out and it is it back then it felt really great because it was like you're saying whimsical and disney and oh wow your disney characters and even now like i if i go back to playing like the first game i'm just kind of like oh wow disney characters yeah like you that's... know like it's like a weird other side to the story that you know you grew up with watching it does and it kind of helps ease you into the chunk of meat that is the original plot of kingdom hearts Yes, and once you're in there, it is very. I, f- I find it ve- found it very difficult to to get out of it. I just wanted to see, oh, where is this all going? And Kingdom Hearts One definitely helps set this up, like with with the um, friendship between Sora, Riku, and Kairi, and ultimately what happens between the three of them, and like it is a very nice. Like looking back at every game. It is a very nice stepping stone for what is to come. Yes, I agree. And from Kingdom Hearts 1, we move on to a little game called Chain of Memories. Oh, Chain, Chain of, of Memories. Memories originally came out for the Game Boy Advance. And it did get ported to the PlayStation 2 and then to the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, whatever you can buy 1.5 on. Yeah, I yeah, my only experience with Chain of Memories was through the 1.5 2.5 collection, so I got to um experience like some like the um the Kingdom Hearts engine cinematics and the voice acting and Sora suddenly going through puberty. Yeah, so you you got to experience uh it all nice and pretty. Uh, some of us <laughs> me experienced it on a tiny fucking screen 
uh, with a very pixely, very old. But in, I believe it was in 2004, I believe oh, when it came out for the for the Game Boy Advance, correct? Yeah, and then I believe because yeah, it came out for the Game Boy Advance, and then they were like, oh, maybe we should port it, and then they did, which I'm really glad that they did. I honestly am glad as well. Although I must say, though, um, I'm, I'm like I have taken a look at like some videos and some sprite works, and honestly, like I'm very surprised how I don't know if you would agree with me, but I do like the de- how detailed a lot of the sprite work goes. Oh yeah, like, no, I think the for like sprites are very well done for that game. I do recommend looking them up if you have the chance, because you would think, oh, it's a Game Boy Advance game. How good could it be? But it, for the time, was super well done. Yeah, they really, really did look like they made use of the limitations of the Game Boy Advance to be able to um, pull it, basically just pull, just pull off the aesthetic. Yeah, they like that they established in Kingdom Hearts and tried to bring it into a two D sprite based environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Since I did not play the Game Boy Advance version, I cannot really speak for how the combat went down. I can only assume it was relatively similar to how the PS2 and then the 1.5 collection did it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, mix that with like almost like a early Final Fantasy style more so because of the limitations that they had and you'll get um, you'll get Chain of Memories. Okay, that that does make sense. I mean, you're on like, you're not, there's no polygons. You're not on like a three-dimensional plane. So I can picture that in my head. Yes. So with this, our story starts in Chain of Memories with Sora, Donald, and Goofy walking down this pathway. They're trying to figure out, you know, they have to find the king. They have to find Riku. In the middle, I think it's at nighttime. Mm-hmm. They stumble upon the castle, Castle Oblivion, which is from the outside. You would think, oh, it's just some weird-looking fucking castle, uh, but no, no, it is more than that. Castle Oblivion works in a lot of weird ways, where it's never really fully explained to our main character as well. As you know, it could be explained, but you do in fact learn about it. Sora, Donald, and Goofy are going up the flights of stairs, and as they go up, they're losing memories. And when you go down, which happens with Riku, he is kind of gaining this knowledge of stuff as he's going through. That's important. Everyone remember that later, because I will be talking a lot more probably about that part than this part. So this game also has um, two stories. You have Sora's story, which is the first one you get to play through, which is Sora going through Castle Oblivion and dealing with my favorite characters, the Organization 13. And then you have the reverse rebirth side, which is Riku going through the castle as well. Also dealing with Organization 13. This is like the first introduction for organization 13 and they will be a recurring group of characters for the duration of the series and they're all so beautiful like that has nothing to do with anything i need (laughs) everyone to know that they're beautiful and i love every single one of them 
they're a really great group. I gotta, I gotta say, like, I wasn't. What's the best way to describe my experience with them? Because I mean, it's not like they're com- all completely just thrown at you. Like you, you have like ample time to be to um, experience each individual one by one and forth a group of 13 they managed to pull off quite well like i found myself like okay but you get a lot of time to be introduced to each of the members individually of course it's going to span across a couple of times i think you're only introduced to about half of the crew and chain of memories but I mean, they're all very memorable. Like they all have their own personalities. Their designs are everyone. They're they're very extravagant and they're very unique. And even down to like how they are physically built. Like they have they have like they have he has a unique hairstyle. There's a very pretty eye color. Some of them have buff bodies. Some of them have lean body bodies. Some of them are built like trucks. Like even their cloaks. Are yeah. the 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 iconic black cloak that is introduced in Chain of Memories, um, like like even some of their coats are like tailor fit to like either to to um, um just help amplify their personalities or just for the purposes of um like what would be the best way that like they're con- like the way that they fight or. Yeah. I was gonna like, say I remember that. like they're kind of aesthetic. Like somebody who's not some like some maybe some people have like more form fitting, they're physical. And that's the other really cool thing about them too. Like they have all of their own different powers on their own weapons and their own play styles that are very reminiscent of the Final Fantasy classes, which yeah. I found to be a really interesting detail. Yes. Well I really one of the things I remember about um when uh chain of memories came out and um days and two was my dad was really into this series for a while and i remember being able to go oh yeah dad that's zigbar and he'd be like how do you know (laughs) and i'd be like just it's that zigbar you could tell by his build oh yeah that one's all and he'd be like how are you doing that and i'm just like oh you know it's just like the way that they're built and he's like they're all wearing the same fucking thing (laughs) but that's the magic that's the magic of their design and the um and the black coat just you the fact that you can tell like that kind of detail just like i can't think of any other um like any kind of series that has character designs like that that are unique costume I mean a different. I mean, I'm sorry. The same, a very similar costume, but you can still tell them apart. Yeah, it's one of the things that Kingdom Hearts does really well. And then, especially as you go throughout Chain of Memories, especially Rechain being on the um, actual like consoles instead of being on the little handheld one, where you can see all of these details super well. Oh, that's if I remember when you play it on the on the Game Boy, you obviously are not going to be able to tell these sprites apart unless the hoods are down but as you go through um it on like the playstation you get to see oh yeah like axel's build is so much leaner than like marluxia's build but those are the two characters that you're seeing the most playing through sora's story 
Yeah, I didn't even put that into consideration. Like, I know I was praising despite work, but that is a really great point. Yeah. And if I kind of feel like I got I got that the benefits of seeing their like their them in their 3D polygon models yeah. and being able to f- see that detail about them. Okay. It is enough of us just gushing over at the organization. I am going to talk about what actually happens in this game now, I promise. No worries. I'm sorry. I feel <laughs> okay. I love to talk Ali, you know I will talk about Organization 13 at any moment. Look, I'll be there for it. <laughs> but So the game. Sora, Donald, Goofy, they go into the castle and they kind of, I believe, you know, you kind of, when a guy comes up to you in a fucking giant black fucking coat, you kind of sit and they're like, hmm, something's a little weird here. You know, when they're spewing riddles at you, you're kind of like, well, oh, something really is weird here. Like, what the fuck? Because like, I don't know about you, but if a man came up to me in a black cloak and was like, to lose is to find, and to find is to lose, I'd be like, oh, I gotta kill this man now. <laughs> it's just immediate reaction. is like, oh yeah, let's beat it up. I, yeah, that would be my reaction. <laughs> so Donald and Goofy do in fact start to go through this castle, kind of like being hinted and toyed at that, hey, like, you know, you're gonna, you don't know what you've forgotten kind of thing. Which introduces us to another important character who's not exactly with the organization, but doesn't exactly have a choice. Nomine. Mm. Now, Nomine is known as the memory witch. What Nomine can do is rewrite memories, kind of like manipulate them so things you remember aren't as they seem. And she's told that if she does this to Sora, that, you know, she can have a friend and she can be with him, which is a little fucking wrong to it do. It is very wrong. You're but also these are the villains, quote unquote, and that's staying in quotes of the game. It's kind of, I mean, it is kind of sad that like this, 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 because she, because that's basically how you introduced to her. She's like, she's just like poor little, like a lonely girl who wants friends. And you have this, these guys in creepy costumes saying, hey, um, we can help you, g- give you that if you do X amount of thing for us. Meanwhile, they're basically just using, using her, her as a tool and just need her for her, her memory manipulation powers so that they can uh, more or less invite, not invite Sora into their fold, but be able to use Sora's powers as a keyblade wielder for their own um, goals. Yes. And along with Naminé, we do get introduced to one other character who is important, which is the replica Riku. My main man, Vexen, is a scientist for the organization, and he can create replicas of people. It apparently takes a very long time, and that is something I would expect, but he does it anyway, and he creates a replica of Riku to use to also help manipulate Sora, to have Sora believe that, well, Riku's in the darkness, you know, he don't give a shit about you, and also to further along the memories of Naminé, which she has been adding into Sora's heart. If you thought Kingdom Hearts one was wild... So is Chain of Memories. There are no breaks. Yeah, we just go full throttle. Yeah, there are no breaks. It is only plot. Once you're on the wild ride, it never ends. Yes. 
Yeah, so the further Sora goes in, he is they are losing memories of the things that happened in Kingdom Hearts 1. They're not remembering the people they've met, the worlds they've been to, and all of that fun stuff. But Sora, as he's going through, is going, hmm, this is really weird, guys. I'm remembering this other girl we used to hang out with. And, you know, they're kind of like, mm, you've never mentioned this other girl before. Why are you remembering her now? This is This is weird. To the point where Sora starts snapping at Donald and Goofy being like, well, you guys don't know her. You don't understand. And it's like, Brasori, you don't understand what's happening to you. It's like one big mind um, screw just happening to to the three of them and Sora in particular. Yeah, like Sora catches the brunt of it, especially with having the replica show up and the replica kind of is like, hey, well, we don't need you here. I'll take care of Nomine. You can fuck right off. Which only adds to Sora being more confused about what's going on. When you get to the end of Sora's run, you do manage to, you know, kind of, hey, Sora, just let you know, Nomine is not really your friend kind of thing. But Sora being a Disney protagonist is like, we gotta help her. And fights Marluxia, goes to help, very proud of him. And he ends up in a memory pod that looks like an egg because Naminé is going to rewrite his memories without her in them. And it's going to take, it was a full year. It's a full year. This, but like this whole process, just because of how damaged Sora's memory became because of the Naminé's um, powers. So it's going to take a lot longer for him to um, basically recover his memories. Yes. And then after that happens, you get to the best part of the game. Reverse Rebirth. Yes. This is the first time at this point in the series where you can play as a character that isn't Sora and you get to play through the game as Riku, which is great. Riku's story also has my three favorite organization members. Well, your boys. My boys, basement trio. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So in Sora's Sora's main like three that he's dealing with are Marluxia, Larxene, and Axel. Vexen is there a little bit to do the replica stuff, but Riku gets to deal with the basement trio, which oh my favorites. <laughs> my basement trio, um, Vexen, Lexeus, and. Oh, my favorite character in the entire series, Zexion. Oh, I need a minute. I love him so much. What a great, what a great time. This You can see why this is my favorite, like my favorite game in the series. Because he's in it. Well, and also like the story is actually really good and the game system's really good, which I should take the minute to talk about right now. It is a card system. It does not play like Kingdom Hearts 1. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You guys can see why this is my favorite game in the series. Well, second favorite because there's a game that comes before it. But it's because Zexion's in it. Zexion's uh, just 10 out of 10 great character. And I realized before I go on to talk about this, I haven't actually said how this game plays. <laughs> but this is a card system. I can hear the people leaving <laughs> as I speak. Well... I mean, it's a, very, it's a very unique system that um, was introduced within this game. Yeah, I mean, you guys have to remember this was on the Game Boy Advance. So when they ported it, they didn't want to redo the entire game system to make it like Kingdom Hearts 1 because the cards actually played a really important um, like story point on how the castle worked because you were using the cards to open up all of the worlds within the castle. So... It wasn't going to be like a Kingdom Hearts fucking like game, you know, it wasn't going to be the way the first one played. But I think they also managed to pull it off pretty well. Yeah, like I thought I think it runs really smooth, but I know a lot of people who hate this game and will not play through it, wouldn't finish it because of the card system. I mean, like, it is a pretty detailed system to go through, and it could take a little while to get used to it. I mean, I was thankful to have you to help uh, me understand the card system when I was playing through Chain of Memories for the first time. But once you manage, once once it clicks, like, that's when you really have a lot of fun with it because you can start build, like building up um, your deck to um, tailor to specific slates, which is just basically a three-card combo attack and you can discover things like the magic of goofy twirling or um throwing your key blade in the strike raid or with cloud showing up and flipping his hair you can do yeah. a lot of really cool things the only thing you need is cloud coming in and doing the hair flip honestly game changer <laughs> but uh, this brings me to the differences between sora and riku's playthroughs and i think that yeah because the with Riku because with Riku you have a very limited you have a fixed deck with every floor. Yeah, and so with I, Sora you get to build your deck and you get to find cards and there are Moogle shops so you can buy cards. But with Riku it is this is your deck for the floor make it work. And honestly, I found it it was a little bit more challenging, but it, I had I found myself having a lot more fun with it because of the limitations like with Sora's route you were able to that was your opportunity to get used to the to the gameplay and the card system and then with Riku's route 
like that's your opportunity to to be challenged and tested on your abilities to work with what the game gives you. Yeah, and this is one of the things. Um, the system for Riku is built to work against you. And it sounds weird because you would kind of feel like, oh, well, if they're fixing your deck, like, you know, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it. It can't be that bad. But there are certain points where they give you a weaker deck against stronger enemies for specific reasons to kind of like be like, oh, yeah, you thought that you were just going to be able to pull the same like. 999 cards not on this boss fight i remember the wonderland floor being a complete trip so i believe at that point you get the weakest deck is at that level yeah i remember (laughs) i remember the cards also when um in my playthrough because you can pick which worlds you do at what time i had to fight my my main man lexius with the weakest deck in the game. And oh, he man. is one of the strongest boss fights. Whew. Your boy was not ready for that. It was interesting, too, that you bring up the boss fights now as we're discussing the, the card system. Because I found, I definitely found there to be a great deal of challenge. So to speak, I don't know if it was just me and my la- and at least my current lack of experience, but even when the system finally clicked with me, some of the organization members and uh, Replica Riku, they were hard. Like, yeah. they were very difficult, and you really had to strategize what, when to utilize specific cards or slates. Yeah, I know, like, for me personally, I've had this conversation with a lot of people where I have straight up just been like this is not an easy game like if you're expecting it to be a game that you can just go into and power your way through that's not how this works yeah no I was fairly early I came to a realization that that would be the case you bore witness to my (laughs) to my um uh attempts to get through some of the bosses and yeah some of these some of these fights and like I think um with Sora's route, for me it's personally just a lot easier because I've grew up with this game, so I literally have a specific like, all right, for this fight, this is these are the cards I need to like find. So I'm like, okay, I know, you know, going into it, okay, I'm gonna fight Axel on this floor, so that gives me this amount of time to receive these three cards, which would work with this boss card and everything. Strategy. We love to see it. It's very important. This is probably the Kingdom Hearts game that where it is definitely important to have a strategy in mind to tackle these bosses. Yeah. So um, this is running over the time that I had allotted for Chain of Memory, so I'm going to speed through the rest of it so we can talk about the last game on the list. No problem. So, Riku, you are learning kind of, you know, the the stuff that Riku went through in Kingdom Hearts 1, and all of the time he's kind of like battling with Ansem because while he's in control, Ansem's still kind of there like, "Mm, darkness, darkness. I got some darkness. Hey, Riku, you want some darkness? I got some darkness for you. Darkness? (laughs) 
darkness. <laughs> Which is, you know, once again, the whole game. But darkness. And, you know, he, he goes through. He fights the organization. I cry every single time. Because you have to fight my favorite boy as Riku. And it's really emotional. It shouldn't be as emotional as it is. And I'm sure a bunch of people are like, Rain, what the fuck are you talking about? But I will cry every time I have to kill Zexion. It's a pretty fun fight, though, all things considered. It's fun. I think he actually has probably the best boss fight in the game. And that's not even me being biased. That's just genuinely loving the playthrough of that fight. And that's when you be when um, Riku, when you do control Riku in his dark form for the first time, if I remember yeah. correctly. Oh, uh, mm, no, I don't think. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. OK, yes. I, I was like, because mm. the next fight so far in. So yeah, far. it's like uh, it's like two thirds of the way through. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is the last organization member that Riku will fight and then you have to do what everyone probably expected you have to do and fight Ansem. I don't think this one's 13 parts though, so I think it's just I mean, and he shows up multiple times, but I think it's just a one and done kind of deal with him. So Riku will fight Ansem but you know, how it be kick his ass and find Sora being in his little egg pod thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know the best way to describe it. It literally just looks like a fucking egg. Sora snow globe. And Riku makes a funny joke and is like, oh, of course he's sleeping. Because, <laughs> you know, Riku's like, of course, I have to do the work again. You know, jokey jokes of being friends. And Riku teams up, you know, with king mickey they both get organization codes because those help to block out the organization from being able to see them and sense them and that's kind of where our game ends you know riku's like hey i'm not doing this darkness shit but i'm not really on the side of light either i'm gonna ride you know walk the road to dawn in which you get the keyblade the way to dawn the best keyblade ever and we move on to the next game I think another very important part would be that at least at towards the end of Riku's route, we are introduced to another character named Diz. The man, the myth, the legend. Red red bandage guy, who is basically well, um u- utilizing his um what's the best way to put it? They are the anthem that we that Riku ends up fighting is not actually Ansem, but is actually set up as a test by Diz to see if Riku would be able to control his darkness. And Riku passes. If I'm remembering correctly, of course. No, that's correct. Because Diz has been paying attention to everything. He's been a very busy man. That's how it be. And he's also the ones who gives um, Riku and Mickey the coats. Yes. And sets both of them on the path to their, uh, further down their objective. Yes. This leads us into um, the game uh, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, um, which on the PlayStation is just a movie. But this game was a 3DS, not a 3DS game, just a DS game. Right. 
Let me not confuse my fucking systems. It's late. I'm allowed to fuck up a little bit. No worries. Uh, Days came out in 2009. And Days is set up to not... It doesn't follow Sora. Which a lot of people skipped over this game because of that. And they were like, "Mm, not a main game. Because it's not about Sora. But fuck y'all, because it is about Sora. Well, this is about Sora. Well, this is like a trend that kind of starts the um, the whole, well, side game debate. And I say that in the end, I say this with air quotes because really there are no side games in Kingdom Hearts. Every game, regardless of whether or not Sora himself is present in some way, shape, or form, it's important to Kingdom Hearts as a whole. Yes, I think I definitely I said that to you when you were starting it. I was like, just remember there are no side games because there are no side games. Everything is plot. All plot. And it it definitely becomes apparent as to how it is the case with the amount of information and story that each of these titles provides. Yes, exactly. So with Days, Days the main character in Days is Roxas. Now, Roxas is Sora's nobody, and I am going to have to explain that. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a pretty important aspect about how, at least how in regards to how hearts and bodies work in the world of Kingdom Hearts. So, this is something that could have been said in... Um, chain of memories but it wouldn't have really made sense until now everyone in the organization is a nobody nobodies are created at the same time a heartless is created so you lose your heart and it kind of gets split off you can either not into either you get a heartless and you get a nobody I believe that checks out that's the very simplest way to explain how this works it's just basically like a, like a person, you're splitting a person in half, so to speak, leaving a body and like basically the husk, the body that's left behind, along with the heart that just becomes a, a sh- essentially a shadow monster. Yes. And the, how powerful and big that, that heartless is, is dependent on the darkness within that person's heart. Yes. Kind of an ironic name in the end, heartless. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, very ironic. So, uh, with that, this game takes place after the scene in Kingdom Hearts 1 where Sora becomes a Heartless. Because that's when you get Roxas. Basically, Roxas was born in the moment where Sora released his heart, trying to free the hearts of the other seven princesses. Yes. And Roxas is found by our top chief here, uh, Zemnis, who is the leader of the organization. And, you know, he's... I've said this before on one of the 7,000 podcasts that we've done, but Zemnis is and will forever be just daddy. <laughs> the hottest man in the organization. I mean, you're not wrong. I am not. And he is a specimen. He is mm, stunning. I would do whatever that man asked of me. 
Like I gotta be real. I would really just whatever you would want. So I can understand, you know, Rox is just kind of being this like a a nobody. B when he's there, he's like a zombie. He doesn't really get what's going on. He doesn't exactly have a personality or really just you know any clue he's just kind of like all right whatever i'm here i guess i'm just gonna go through what i'm being told to do and he's told you know hey you're gonna go on these missions and you're gonna kill the heartless because you've got you know the fancy fancy keyblade and we're all working together to get our hearts back you all can't see the face I'm making, but Allie, I'm sure you can feel the face I'm making when I. I actually, that. I do feel a face being made. Yeah. It's just like it's radiating. Yeah, I can just picture. I have I have so many things to say about that, but this is not the time because you won't learn about what I want to say in this. But yeah, um, that's 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 its own journey. Uh, that's its own journey, as everything else in Kingdom Hearts is. But this game, this takes place over the course of, I believe, a little under a year of following Roxas's journey of being in the organization. In this, you get to learn about the other half of the organization, and you obviously get to see the uh, Castle Oblivion crew for a little bit, because they're all there. All 13 members are there, and then they're not. And it's really sad, because everything in this game is sad. There's nothing nice. So, as... You know, we're kind of learning, you know, from Rox's point of view, how the organization works. And there's not so much information that really gets, like, admitted at the beginning. It's kind of just like, okay, I go on a daily mission. I fight Heartless. I collect hearts. I come home. And our boy, one Axel, is kind of just like hey, that's not really all you can do. You're kind of still a person. Let's go be friends. And Roxas is like, what the fuck is a friend? Which is valid, considering they're nobodies. And Roxas's perception of friendship is sitting on a clock tower and eating ice cream. He's just kind of like, I guess that's what being a friend is. And I gotta be real... None of my friends have ever sat on top of a clock tower with me and bought me sea salt ice cream. So you're all fake friends. Oh, well, that's a nice way to try to, like, get Roxas into a routine of, like, hey, friends hang out and then they do things that they all like together. Like, one of the really interesting things about, um, at least with Roxas developing, being able to, like, develop his own character his own personality his own person is just how he's able like just trying to learn how people especially like when it comes to like the social aspect how how people work and something as simple as just sitting on the clock tower and eating ice cream could be is that gateway to like a, a very vibrant world of having friends and being being you so to speak like being your own person yes exactly and as all of this is going on within a little bit into the game we get introduced to another new character and her name is Xion. now Xion is kind of like at the start the same way roxas was she doesn't have a weapon 
either you know so like they're kind of like hmm, what's really going on here we don't really know Shion can also wield the keyblade and at this point Roxas is like huh that's a little weird no one else can wield the keyblade but also yes good now there's two of us and he invites Shion to the clock tower and they become friends because this game is also about friendship as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This game also does the thing that every Kingdom Hearts game does, and you go to all of the worlds. I just wanted all of you guys to know that that didn't change. You're still doing that. Still fighting like, every all the Heartless. It feels like, though, I mean, I can't really speak for the DS game because my um, experience with uh, Days was through the uh, movie cinematics, but... Um, it just felt, and I, I guess this is also something I can say about um, uh, Chain of Memories too. Like it just, at least compared to how it was in Kingdom Hearts One, the the Disney worlds felt more like filler. It's like it's like, I mean, I guess you can say like, oh, it's oh, these are the worlds that Roxas goes to f- to uh, fulfill his mi- missions along with other organization members. So. At least in that capacity, they could have more of a point to um, uh, as to why we're going to these worlds. But at the same time, it felt well. It is this literally the same worlds from past games. At least from at least as far as um, Kingdom Hearts it, one is concerned. Yes. It's, you know, they're really, like you were saying, like, there's not this overarching explanation of why it's not like you're going for the plot of, like, these movies. It really is just, oh, there are Heartless in Agrabah. Go to Agrabah. You know? And at one point, Roxas, I think, even brings it up where he's talking to, like, Demix, and they're in a world, and he's just kind of like, oh, well, what's that guy doing? And Demix is like, oh, no, it's not part of the mission. Leave it alone. Do the mission. Go home. Be fast. It basically feels like a nine to five routine that these Which guys are going through. It pretty much is. And you kind of see that when you're playing because it's Roxas gets up, goes on mission, comes back and, you know, oh, Demix is in the, you know, common area just playing on, you know, his sitar or, you know, Lark scenes there doing something. It's just this very like uh, okay, you go on mission, you come home, you relax until tomorrow for next mission. Which is a little strange, considering, you know, I, I think it was at this point in this game where I was like, I don't think they're actually villains, guys. 
I don't really think the organization is a bunch of really bad people. You're but- basically introduced to another side of them. And you're learning more of them from the lens of, well, actually their own lens. They're not um, really getting into a conflict with, uh, with a kid, a dog, and a duck. They're basically, well, together. They're within their own space. They're doing their they're little nine-to-five job together. And I feel like that's one, one thing that I kind of miss by not playing the DS game. Because I feel like I like maybe I could have like had I played that I could have possibly gotten more insight about how every organization member was and functions and during their jobs. There are things that you do miss um, when the movie from like the movie to the um, game because there's lots of little conversations that were like glossed over and. They aren't, like, plot-specific, but to me, they're character-specific, so you learn, like, a little bit. Like, there's a scene that didn't make it into the movie where Axel, Roxas, and Shion are having a conversation, and Axel says something, and Roxas is like, oh, that's, like, a best friend, right? Hey, Axel, what is that like? And Axel's kind of like, uh, um, that's a loaded question. Because he's like, he's not, you know, how is he supposed to answer that to someone who's not supposed to have a heart and they're not supposed to really make friends kind of situation. So it's like you miss out on the little things like that. You also miss out on Larkseen telling you to scram a hundred (laughs) times. So, you know, little things. Yeah, I feel, I feel... It's it's weird for me to say like I, but I feel like they're like the conver- the conversation you just described to me I felt was I, that feel felt very important especially when it when this is a basically mostly a story about three kids becoming friends I feel I feel in the story that covers the friendship between three people describing to someone what a best friend is and what that means as part as as far as a relation that kind of relationship goes especially when the term best friend is thrown around during i want to say like some of the later parts of the day cinematics like i I just feel that's to have it left out just to make space is i don't want to say i'm robbed because that sounds a little bit harsh but I feel like in a, in a series that's all about friendship, it's important. Yeah. And yes, I, I do accept that there has to be cuts made. But I feel like, like even based on what other friends have told me about what was that, what things about that I've missed by not playing a DS game. I mean, I guess it's an ad for me to say, oh, Allie, you have to go play the DS game at some point. And I understand that I'm going to get to that eventually. But at the same yeah. time, I feel like more could have been added. Like maybe it wouldn't be the decision I would make if I were to choo- had to choose what to keep and what to cut. But I mean, who knows? Like maybe there was, maybe there was a reason. Yeah, I actually, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a really long time since I played the DS game, they actually added some cutscenes to the movie like voiced cutscenes and stuff like because they obviously like went in and they voiced a bunch of the cutscenes. Yes. 
but they added one one of the ones that they added is one that i have referenced a lot i believe in our friendship alone um when talking about three characters Azexion, axel and syax because they added a cut scene where this is when axel gets back from castle oblivion which that all happens during days mm-hmm. and you see the castle like go from having all of the organization to only being cut down to half um and it's when axel gets back and him and syax are having a conversation and this is something I didn't talk about in Chain because I wanted to talk about it here. When they go for Castle Oblivion, Axel goes as a traitor to pretty much be like, hey, there's, you know, Sykes, like, oh, there are some people that we don't think are, you know, up to snuff here at the organization. Make sure that they don't come back. Yeah. And that's what happens. And he, you know, is having this conversation with Syax and he's like, yeah, you know, they're all gone. I did it. And he goes out of his way. He doesn't mention anyone else, but he does go out of his way to say, by the way, I disposed of Zexion. And there is this silence between the two of them that is eerily like, okay, like, something is up here. There is something that should not have been done, like a line was crossed, almost. I see. So that would, that, so that, that's, a, that's something that um, you say was added within the uh, compilation, it's just to, like, either, like, hand the scene or try to include a detail that yeah, that like I, would be considered very important that wasn't there before. Yeah, I, for the life of me, can't remember seeing that on the DS. At all. Like, but I have watched it a million times since it's come out for the PlayStation. So, I'm like, definitely, I'm like, oh, these are little, like, you know what I mean? So they added these little things into it to almost kind of be like, as, in my opinion, them going back onto the game and being like, oh, we've added things since then that should have been said in this game that weren't. And they had the opportunity to kind of go in and be like, let's like add this really quick to where it should have been. Which like, is cool. But also you didn't have to rip my heart out Square Enix. Like, goddamn. Here, let's sneak in this one detail. Yeah. So let's see how many hearts we break with this little detail we sneak um, in. It's mine. It's my heart. It's broken. <laughs> but um, to to jump us back into the plot here, so our our girl Shion is not really a nobody. She is also a replica <laughs> created by the man Vexen because this is what he does. You know, and throughout the game, she's kind of coming to terms with this, like, and realizing, like, I don't think I'm actually a nobody. I don't really think I'm, you know, with this group. She runs away a few times. She is trying really hard to figure out why she doesn't feel like she belongs here. And 
at the end of the game, she has come back and she's talking to Roxas and she's like, yeah, you're not, when I take my hood off, you're not going to see me. You're going to see him. And Roxas is really confused and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're still Shion. You're still my best friend. And she removes her hood and she is Sora and not Shion. Well, that was pretty much part of her. Well, his programming was that she was supposed to be a failsafe in if in the event that the organization couldn't um, get Sora to do what they wanted. Is also a reason why she is able to weed wield the Keyblade. It's in the data. But with that, right, so what's ending up happening is because the events of Chain are happening while this is happening, you have the data that was supposed to be, you know, from, oh, we're making this failsafe, we're gonna have, like, you know, Shion in case we fuck up. The fuck up that happened and the series of events going through to fix it and fix Sora are kind of a little bit of interfering. They interfere a lot later with Roxas into the next game. And we end up having this whole scene, which, Allie, I don't know if you were as emotional about the end of days as I was, but the scene where she's talking about not being herself just before the end boss fight. I remember that. They, I remember watching that cutscene, yes. It is the whole so powerful. It is. And then, because she's aware of all of these things, and she doesn't want to be Sora, you know, and like, all of this, Shion turns into this giant monster that you have to fight. Which was really fucking heartbreaking because you just spent the last fucking like 300 days becoming this girl's best friend. Well, to more or less kill her. Like, yeah. I, think, I think that was the whole point of, of her transforming into this... Um, inhuman creature was to try to coerce Roxas into killing her. Yeah. Like it was a suicide mission. Like only one of them was had was going to uh, um live more yeah. or less. And she chose to give give Roxas that chance. Yeah. And what ends up happening is so you you fight the boss fight, you um kill Shion and she is starts fading away and she pretty much tells Roxas like hey you know like you 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 know I did this for you it had to be one of us I there she is literally like Thanos snapping turning into dust in his arms kind of thing like it is heart-wrenching to watch yeah and he's like no like don't go I think word for word he goes, who am I going to eat ice cream with? Pretty much, yeah. That's and that's like really upsetting because that's all he knows from friendship really is, you know, yeah, it's someone you go sit and have an ice cream with. Yeah, I know that that particular dialogue is meme to Helen back, but like but you're on the ball with why is. that is so poignant to their relationship. 
Yeah. And then, you know, she disappears and no one remembers her once she's gone. Yeah. And like, that's like, like she's, that's it. She's just wiped out of their memory at that point. Yeah. It's not like not just her physically disappearing, but like all traces that she was even alive or even in existed are just gone. They're gone. They- yeah. Exactly. And after that, Roxas leaves the organization. He dips out. He's like, fuck this. I'm gone. And he does it. He's like, okay, peace, peace out. Throws up a peace sign. And he's just like, fucking figure it out yourself, Semnus. I'm done. <laughs> Tap yeah. it out. There's one thing I didn't talk about um, with this game that, Allie, I don't know if you know because you didn't play it. But what is it? The way the Keyblade system works in this game. I heard bits and pieces of how it does. I know that I know that it can transform. I know that they're like these. Um, oh, fuck, okay, I forget the term of it. But maybe if you were to explain a little bit further, it would jog my memory for what was explained to me. Yeah. So what it is is you're building your own keyblade. So you get a little grid, and um, as you go through, I believe it can get bigger, or the pieces you have get smaller. But um, you. As you're going through, so instead of collecting like synthesized materials, you're collecting these little things. They're little boxes, and each one of them does something different. So let's say your fighting style, Allie, is you like to do aerial combos. So you can set it up to just work off of only aerial combos. Or if you're me, you can be like, oh, okay, I like to do magic, so I'm going to make a very magic-heavy keyblade set to go in and each time you redo your keyblade you get a new design for that keyblade so you can like be like oh yeah i'm doing this kind of set so i get a special looking keyblade for that or you could just go go through the entire game with fucking kingdom key you know basic this is like a very interesting system because of the customization, like you, as you said, you like you can build a keyblade to your own playstyle. Yes, you can also. Um, there was a missions mode in this game, which no other Kingdom Hearts game really has done, and you can play as everybody in the organization. You can see where this is going, <laughs> but you can also. This means that you can have a special setup kind of for every single character in the game. So now I'm assuming that their weapons will be customizable as well. Yes, they are. And everyone in the organization has a joke weapon. Oh, I know about the joke weapons. (laughs) Roxas, that is a stick. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, so they all they all have like each of their weapons does something different based on, you know, which one they have and what the setup is. Uh, they do all have joke weapons, um, which I recommend looking them up if you don't know what they are. They're all really silly. But you cannot go through all the missions in the game playing as whatever character you want to play as. You also get um, Riku to play as and Donald and Goofy. Just a selection. Riku makes sense because he actually does appear in um, Days. But I'm- yeah. It's interesting that 
they would choose. I mean, different play styles for Donald and Goofy. You got a magic guy and you got a uh, shield guy. Well, you do, well, no, there'd be two shield guys in that case, I suppose. Yeah, you had two shield <laughs> A whole two. A whole two. Of, sh- of shields. Yeah. But, um, so those, those are the three games in the KH 1.5 bundle. So, Kingdom Hearts 1, Chain of Memories, and 358 Days Over 2. Well, that's very interesting that they did, didn't, well, it would make sense why they wouldn't go completely in release order. Because they would probably want, would want um, the the next collection, 2.5, to have two game, two uh, full games and then another cutscene compilation. But these did come out um, a couple of years after Kingdom Hearts 2 did. And we'll, we'll talk about it when that time comes. But Kingdom Hearts 2 does introduce, does count uh, like an official introduction to, uh, especially in terms of characters and concepts that were in, that are reintroduced in days. Yeah, well, I, what I love about the way that they released this is they were releasing it not in, you know, the order that the games were released, but in the order in which, like, the timeline would have been at that point, you know? So it would have been, okay, you play through this one, you play through this one, then you play through this one, then, you know, you get to, oh, okay, the next set is two, and then Birth by Sleep and fucking Recoded, which I... I'm going to regret having to talk about because I hate that game. (laughs) You know, it's a good setup, I think, of how they did it. It it does make sense, though, because um, because like the of the chronological bit, because um, as like like, as you mentioned, uh, days does officially begin three quarters of the way through Kingdom Hearts one. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, like, I think it's really well done. In that way, especially because they did this, you know, kind of be like, oh, hey, like, if you didn't have a chance to get all of the games because they were on all of these different systems, we're putting them all on one, you know, and you have the chance to, like, live, you know, replay the story or play through the story for your first time all together. So I think they really put it in a way that was good for, you know, people like me who were fans of the game for a really long time. And then, like, people like you who were just coming into the game for the first time. Yeah, the fact that these collections exist, period, is basically a godsend for, pe- for, for people who want to, um, especially now within, like, in recent years, who want the opportunity to experience the entirety of Kingdom Hearts. Like, it's all, it is all on the same generation system. Like, I can play every, I can play almost every Kingdom Hearts game on PlayStation 4. And that's what I did. I mean, barring barring the two games that became cutscene pup- compilations, um, I did play every Kingdom Hearts game over the span of four months on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, and I think I would... like years ago that wouldn't that would be like like I would think that was that would be super silly to, no. for something like that to be possible. But no, I think that was like one of the best things that you can do for a franchise that has a lot of games that span so many different generations, different consoles, especially leading up to the release of one of the more recent games, Kingdom Hearts 3. 
Yeah, I think that especially and they also have, you know, the full set of games now, which is normally a hundred dollars. Uh due to the holiday season, it is on sale for like twenty-five dollars if people are looking to pick it up. Just saying it's like been on sale a lot recently. So if you're looking to get every Kingdom Hearts game for a minimum amount of money, you fucking can. Because that's yeah, I mean, like fucking lit. And that was is a great time too to uh, get get into the series, especially with the release of Kingdom Hearts three and and the Remind DLC, and then the new game that just came out too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we have reached time for today. I want to thank you guys so much for listening, and a big thank you to our guest Ali for coming through for part one of what is probably going to be a four-part series if I have calculated everything correctly, which I probably have because I did it six times. No worries. Um, Thank you very much for having me back again. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. It was very helpful. Uh, I'm I'm happy that it was of help. Sure. Next time we're going to talk about the 2.5 bundle, which has Kingdom Hearts 2, Birth by Sleep, and Recoded, which I once again will have to trudge through and probably make Allie talk about because I hate it so much. Look, I'll Sorry, Allie. I'll, I'll take the brunt of the sludge. Right. If that makes any sort of sense, we'll get through this together. And we shall go together. Thank you guys so much. Tune in next week where we talk about something else. Have a great day. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.